How do you have killer interviews on your podcast that your audience and guests both get a ton of value from? We're breaking it all down today, right here, right now, on Air Brands. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the On Air Brand Show. I am Todd Genitasio along with my co-host, Amber Furman. What's going on, Amber? What's up, man? I am so excited for this interview and or this episode. We were just talking about interview <laughs> episodes a minute ago. Um, but before we dig into it, like I was watching you prep for the intro, and I was like, this is what people don't get to see, you know? Yeah. Like the, I could see you going through like all the things you wanted to say in your head, yeah. getting your voice right, the smile, the deep breath. I was like, this is what people need to see. Well, it's also like there's also a quirky timing because we do the show live streaming too, where the where I have to watch for the switch on the on the live button. But if you start too early, like you have to give it a, a, a second, otherwise it cuts you off or, or, you know, you start too soon and it doesn't come through the stream. So I'm like, I'm like ready for the question. I'm eyeballing the red light turning on, but then half the time, like, okay, when it turns on, you still have to wait. And, you know, it's, it's all, you know, you know, we're, we're today's episode eight. So we've got eight, I've had eight, eight good tries here plus season two with Eric and Josh. So. I think I'm starting to get a solid routine for hitting the timing right on the live streams that uh, that still works for the audio. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I just thought it was interesting that we're going to dig in today about all these things to make a really impactful interview. And I'm watching you prep and I was like, that's what they need to know, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's all in all in the timing and, and knowing what you're going to say and being intentional. And so that's what we want to talk to uh, talk about today. You know, you were saying how um, in the pre-show or on the PodMax show, podmax.co, uh, make sure you guys are subscribed there. And Amber was telling us how she has her three shows or three styles of shows. Morethancorporate.com is her solo podcast where she does solo episodes. She does interviews where she's had some huge names. G give us a, a couple of highlights, uh, you know, brag about yourself with some of these big oh. names you've had. I don't know about bragging. Um, I somehow got Les Brown to come on the show, which was amazing. Yep. Jordan Harbinger, which mm -hmm. is a huge name in the podcasting the world. Podcaster. Yeah, 11 million downloads an episode. Yeah. Um, some of the smaller, bigger names that I loved was Steve Sims, who Forbes yep. has called Love the Steve. modern day um, Wizard of Oz. I had President Reagan's chief of staff on, which was amazing. So um, we had some really, really good times, man. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you are a pro interviewer, but also a pro communication, communicationist, communicator. Wow. You know, sure. sometimes the words we just, can, you know, we you can create new words. Fly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there is an art and a science to having a great interview when you're the host of a show. And so, you know, a lot of the things that we're going to rattle off today, you know, we talk, we're going to talk about, you know, do you do pre-show prep or what does the pre-show conversation look like with a guest to make sure that it's going to be a good show? How do you build rapport with your guests so that it's not an awkward, just kind of ask a question, they answer rigid kind of thing, but a flowing conversation? You know, is there a specific order of questions that people should be asking and what is that order? You know, how do you control a conversation, particularly with with huge names, like you said, like who could just take over the room with their presence? But how do you make sure you as a host 
are guiding your interviews so that the audience is receiving the value they tuned in for? And, uh, and how do you look at other successful interviewers uh, to model success? So that's what we're going to be running down today. So let's start right from the beginning here. And, and what, is a pre, what does pre-show prep look like when you're uh, going to have a guest on for an interview? Well, I think that the most important thing, and you're going to hear this through a lot of the things we talk about today, is intentionality, like knowing exactly what your audience needs to hear, and then having this idea of what it is you actually want to get out of the interview when you book someone. You know, you should have a reason that every person is coming on your podcast, even if you're new. I think that when I first started, and I have a feeling that others would feel this way too, when you get those guests, you're like, I'm just thankful anybody's coming on my show, right? right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm going to ask them. I don't know. Like, I, you just feel so thankful that they're there. You should still have an intention with every interview, and you should have an intention with why you're bringing Bringing people on. And that intention should be directly related to the impact you want to make on your audience. So once you know that, then you're able to go into your pre-show. Um, are you going to prep your your um, guests? Is it something where you're going to have um, a 10 to 15 to 20 minute interview before? Are you going to just send them a questionnaire? Are you going to do nothing and say, hey, let's just see what this ends up sounding like none of those are wrong. It's just important to understand the intention and the product you want to create. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very important. And understanding like what, not just why are you having the guest on, but why is the guest coming on? Yes. Yeah. Having that win, win, win for everybody, right? Like you should get something out of it as the podcast host, your guests should be able to get something out of it. And you should be clear on the purpose of your podcast. Are you going to allow your guests to promote paid products? Are you going to ask them for a free email catch that they can, they can give out? Like what are the parameters by which you're mm -hmm. going to allow your guests to promote themselves on the show? Um, what are the options that you're going to give for them to connect with your audience? Audience, like all of these should be clear to set the expectations so that those boundaries are set because we're going to get into the actual interviewing later on down the road and, and controlling that conversation. And it's much easier to control that conversation if you have previously set boundaries on what you expect, what the guest expects and who your target audience is and what they expect. Yeah. So in the pre-show communication, you know, I've, I've been a guest on a lot of shows, so I've seen all different types of pre-show notes that have been sent over to me. Um, I'm super casual when I have uh, guests on my shows with, um, you know, typically they're people I have relationships with already. So I'm like, hey, this is the topic we're going to explore. It's super conversational. And then you can plug whatever you want at the end. Um, and and that's where I go. But when it's someone who you, you don't have an existing relationship with, uh, or at least not a deep one, you do need to have a little more expectation. So I know you have a pretty good process. What is it that the guest is getting from your end beforehand so that they're, you know, properly, uh, framed for the conversation. Yeah. So I have a Google sheet that goes out to, um, any of my prospective guests It automatically gets sent out when they book a podcast interview. And it's my way of keeping all of the stuff together. There's a podcast release form in there. Um, as an attorney, it's probably not as good as it should be, but don't <laughs> tell anyone. Um, there's a podcast release option in there. And then it also has information about them. What are your social links? So that 
that my social media team has their pictures, their social links, everything that they need to promote on the end so that we're not chasing this down mm. later when the episode is about to air and you're not sending 97 emails to a guest. Um, then I have the information, you know, what's your bio? What's your story? What is it that you like to talk about? Um, what is it you're promoting right now? Is there a product, a service, a book that you want to make sure that we mention? And then there's a really important question for my podcast, which is more than corporate. It's about designing your own idea of success. We get real and vulnerable and and dirty into topics that a lot of people don't want to talk about, right? We talk about fear and, and failure and comfort zones and, and people are talking more about their failures than their successes sometimes. So I need to know that somebody is willing to go down that road with me. So that question is in there as well, a description of what the podcast is, what I expect of my guests, and if there's any topics that are off limits for them so that I don't go down that road. Yeah. And it's not something I don't want to ask too much of a guest before they come on, right? Like we don't want it to be super heavy lifting for them. We want it to be relatively frictionless, but I think it's also good to say at your convenience, if you're interested, here's a couple previous episodes that you can check out and listen to or watch so that you get an idea of the flow of the conversation and things like that. Yeah. So the way that I do that, and this really depends on how long you allow for the time between when a guest is booked and when they actually come on your show. So if you have been prepared and you're two months ahead in content, mm -hmm. then you have additional time to be able to set a flow, which is what I try to do. So I'll have that form that goes out and then maybe a month or a week or, or however, depending on what your time frame is, I have another email that goes out that says, Hey, I'm really excited about the podcast. Um, I wanted to share with you a couple of the interviews that I think are really relevant to the conversation that we're going to have. Take a look at these, see what you think. This is the format of the show. Let me know if you have any questions. And then maybe a week before another, Hey, I'm really excited to have you on the show. By the way, if you haven't left a rating or review yet, I'd be really grateful if you do that. Here's that link. And then after the recording, I actually send another email to them thanking them, leaving the link again, asking for a rating and review if they haven't already, and then inviting them to look through my podcast guests. And if there's anybody they want to be connected with to let mm. me know so that I can share that love for future podcasts. I love that. I love that. We so often talk about, you know, the power of podcasting really comes like when the mics are off, right? It's the relationships that you end up building with the people who are guests. And that's a great, great idea to have as follow-up to continue the relationship and to put, you know, one of my core principles is value first and to say, Hey, look at my Rolodex here. And who, if there's anybody I can connect you with, like, that's a great way and easy for you to add value. If there is someone like for you making those kind of intros is, you know, it's not a heavy lift on your part. And again, it's, you know, the win, win, wins that help us all kind of rise up. Yeah, absolutely. And it's effortless. Like right. if you really take the time to spend a weekend setting up your flow with whatever calendar system that you use, I don't actually touch any of these. The only time is in that pre-guest email that goes out. If there is an episode that is extremely related to the guest that I have on now that I think is going to be 
really relevant, then I'll go in and make sure that link's in there. Otherwise, it's the same few links that get sent out every time. And it, and you are, the power of podcasting, first of all, comes in, yes, the relationships that you build, and also borrowing the credibility of your guests to be yeah. able to have the relationships that you want with somebody who's looking at the what can you do for me question. And so the more that you are able to create that, hey, look who I've had on my show, Look at the conversations that we had. Let's talk about something else, right? These are great things. Maybe this is going to trigger something in their mind of a road they want to go down that's going to be deeper than they would have expected before. So, yeah, yeah, totally. So, all right, we have the guest coming on. And last week's episode, we talked about how to, you know, create content and publish episodes and publish content that build rapport with your audience, right? So that you can build a, a stronger connection with your listeners and viewers and, and anybody paying attention to you. But when you want to have a good interview and you want to create good content with the people that you have as guests, you need to have solid rapport with them so that they open up more, right? So what are some ways to, to build rapport in a live interview setting when you have a guest on your show? Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about what rapport is, first of yeah. all. Like rapport, you may think of it as just a connection with somebody, like you kind of think the same things. And that's one level of rapport. But there is this like hypnotic level of rapport where you just have, like think of a moment that you have walked in a room and you've just felt a connection to a person. And then the more you talk to them, the deeper that connection gets. That's the true rapport that we're talking about. And there are ways for you to create that. In a virtual setting, you know, depending on how you're doing your podcast, if you're doing them over Zoom, which is the norm, I think, at this point in time, um, yeah. if you're doing them over a virtual setting, the ways that you can build rapport are by the tone of your voice, the volume of your voice, matching. You want to match as much as possible. We have rapport with people who are like us. So you want to match as much as possible what your guest is doing. Now, this doesn't mean do exactly what they're doing, right? You are going to creep your guest out if every time they <laughs> blink, you blink, right? They'll be like, what is wrong with this person? So you can mix and match those a little bit. If you see your guest has a certain tone to their voice, in a certain rhythm, you can time your breathing to match that rhythm. If they're blinking at a certain time um, and you see that being a standard pattern, you can change your breathing or change the way that your voice goes to match the pattern of their blinking. Like it takes real intention and real observation. That sounds very difficult. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> it's, it's something that the more you practice, the more you realize you're doing it naturally. So when you're doing it in non-interview settings, because you're right, if you're in an interview and you're like, oh my God, like I have Jordan here and right. I'm trying to figure out how to remember what my name is, yeah. let alone <laughs> how to do any of this, it's not the right moment. But right. you know, this is why the trainings are so important because you go learn how to, how to do these things. And then eventually it's an unconscious reaction that you don't even realize you're doing. So, and th those are obviously just examples, but, um, being really intentional about how is your, how is your guest acting? How are they talking? What words are they using? Feeding those words back to them. Um, what are they, if you, if they're a quiet talker and you're yelling at them, like <laughs> they're going to be like, what? I, I can't connect with this. Even if they consciously want to yeah. on an unconscious level, they're not able to. And the more you build that rapport in the beginning, the easier your interview is going to be because the more they'll be on board with where you want to go. Um, also so many people don't take the time 
to build rapport at all. It's like, welcome to the podcast. So by the way, what's your biggest failure? Right. I'm like, dude, <laughs> take me to dinner first, right? Yeah. So um, spending that time, your guests, I think, I don't remember what episode it was and, and maybe we can track it down and put it in um, the links or the show notes later. But we had talked at one point in time about nobody cares who you are until they know what you can do for them. Yeah. Right. And so similar to this, you need to give your guests a reason to, or your, your listeners a reason to listen to this person. And they're going to connect to their history, who they are, where they're from. Maybe you have them from the same town that one of your listeners is from, and that's what it is. So not only are you building rapport with your guests, but you're also helping your guests build rapport with your listeners. That was uh, season three, episode three is where we mentioned that. That was, uh, is your why broken and you don't know it? Um, so if anybody wants to check that out, head back to uh, onairbrands.com slash show. That was season three, episode three, where we talked about that. Um, so what what about, um, you know, if we're on video, even if you have an audio podcast, it, you're likely going to be interviewing your your guest uh, while you see each other. I think I personally think that's important because there's there are visual cues when it comes to having a conversation. Like when are you going to interject or not? You know when can you jump in when there's a beat um, between things or are they just taking a breath on their on what their answer is going to be? So I think having the video is super important. But then what about smiling, nodding, leaning in, leaning back? Uh, you know those kind of visual cues and body language that help connect and build rapport too. Yeah. So the more you do this, the better you get at it. Yeah. And, and it is very, very conscious and intentional in the beginning while face to face and, and video to video is the easiest way to do this. You can also create that with your voice in a voice only podcast, mm -hmm. but think of a phone call, right? Even when we get, if you're doing your podcast, right there are going to be moments where you and your guests are so freaking pumped up about what you're talking about that you need that visual cue to know, like you said, are they done talking? Are they taking a breath? Being able to listen to that over the phone when you're just as pumped up can yeah. be really, really difficult if you're not used to it. So I um setting clear and, and I'm glad you brought this up because in the pre in the pre-show that you send to your guests, you should always tell them whether it's a video podcast or an audio mm. podcast yeah. so they can prepare. And you should tell them if, you know, we do this over Zoom so we can be face-to-face, -face, but I'm only going to post the audio. It's going to it's gonna dictate how they prepare. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, one of the things we talked about last week uh, when it came to how, uh, you know, techniques for creating great content and building rapport with your audience, one of the things that you mentioned was, finding those common connections, whether it's like different movie, you know, movie themes, uh, different types of movies or TV shows that you listen to, even when it's not relevant, like, you know, if you're an attorney and you talk about that kind of stuff, but making references and analogies and telling stories about movies or about having kids or about, you know, being into fishing or whatever, whatever different types of things, even though they're unrelated, that creates a connection. And I think when you are able to know your guest, when you do a little research on them ahead of time, you know, the kind of things that they're into. If you can just make little references and analogies that tell the guests like, oh yeah, we're on the same level. I think that's another quick way to build rapport and connection with the guests that makes that make them feel more comfortable and more at home having conversations with you as a host. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for saying, um, when you do the research, please do not <laughs> expect your guests to tell you everything, yeah. right? It was really interesting when I was doing the interview with Jordan and he said, a lot of people ask me, how do I get these like ridiculously in-depth 
interviews and, and how do I get all this information? And my response to them is I read their book. Right. Like I read their book. I know their stuff. Like every guest that comes on, he, he reads their stuff, whether it's audio, whether it's, it's video, however, he's able to consume that content so that you have something to talk about. I promise you, I promise you that a guest that does this regularly will know when you're flying by the seat of your pants. Your, yeah. your audience may not know, but your guests will know. And then when you reach out to that guest, as you should be, and say, hey, I had an amazing time connecting with you. Is there anybody else that you can think of off the top of your head that might be a good interview for this podcast? And um, you know, would you be willing to make a connection with that? If you're not prepared, their answer is going to be like, why would I ever right. do this, right? <laughs> but if you had this amazing interview where you took the time to get to know them, and you knew about them before you went on the show, they're going to be like, yeah, I know this person, this person, and this person and, and on you go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so part of an interview, obviously asking questions, right? So you came out, what, what was the question you said before? It was like, take me out to dinner first, right? Like yeah, what's, yeah, your, yeah. what's your biggest failure, right? Like yeah. you can't come out of the gate with guests and ask them extremely difficult or extremely deep questions before you kind of just get one, just get the conversation flowing, get the juices flowing, you know, get everybody warmed up a little bit, but you know, you have to take them through a little bit of a journey uh, before they're going to open up with that. And so what are, what kind of questions should you start off interviews with before diving deep? And then, you know, had, and, and, and how do you get into the deep questions? So when, first of all, I want, I want to say again, there's no wrong way to do this. Mm -hmm. It's whatever way is right for you. And I've listened to some podcasts and thought, man, I really like that. I'm going to incorporate some of that into what I'm doing. So the first piece of advice I have is go listen to other people's shows. Yeah. And find out what you like about what they're doing and what you don't like about what they're doing. Um, I normally spend the first few minutes getting to know my guests. Where are you from? How did you um, get to this place? Because my my podcast is about defining your own idea of success, I'm really interested in what you thought you were going to be doing when you were in high school and what you ended up doing as an adult. So I ask that question, what did 13, 14, 15-year-old you think you were going to be doing? And mm -hmm. then that's like, well, 13, 14, 15-year-old me was playing baseball all the time. And, and, and so you go into what it was like for them to grow up, but you're not saying, hey, tell me what it was like for you to grow up, right? right? So figuring out what question are you asking? What's the purpose behind that question? So that's the way I handle it. But I was listening to a show where someone's, I, I do a random round at the end of my show. And I was listening to a show where somebody did the random round at the beginning. And the random round was, where did you grow up? How many brothers and sisters do you have? Um, what do your parents do? And it was like really quick, let's get this information out. And then they took that into the episode. And I was mm -hmm. like, that's an interesting way to do it too. So um, the idea is treat them like a human being, have a conversation with them, care about who they are, not just what they can tell your audience. And also a guest wants to know context, right? So when you're talking about the biggest failure question that we've brought up um, a few times, if somebody was to ask me that right out the gate, my response would be, do you want to know about my failed relationships? Do you want to know yeah. about my failed businesses? Do you want to know about my failed like family stuff? Like what, right. what area are we talking about right now? Yeah, yeah, that's great. You know, context is is everything. You know, another tip I have for people is, 
doing a little bit of keyword research. So a big problem that I see with people publishing a lot of content, whether it's podcast episodes or a lot of so great social media content is that they don't end up putting that content somewhere that can be found in the future, right? Like it, you publish something on social media, it comes and goes within a couple of days. If you're lucky, your podcast episode, if it's, if it just lives on the platforms, that's great. But if you, you know, if you have a blog post on your website, that embeds the episodes, then you can incorporate some keywords. And so what I like to do, you know, I use a paid tool called Ahrefs, but you can use free stuff like Uber Suggest um, or Answer the Public is when you are having a guest come on and you know what topics you're gonna explore, even if you don't have a guest coming on, but plug in that topic into a keyword research tool just to see what are what's the search volume around all the different phrases so you know like oh this wording of a question is something that you know is something people are looking for and th these other questions i thought might be popular that i was going to ask have no no one is searching for and then you kind of get a feel for what people want to know about um, and then it also gives you an idea of like supporting questions and how to guide conversations around, you know, what kind of que like if, if the topic is having a good podcast interview and it's like, well, what questions should you ask? You know, how do you prep? A, how do you prep a guest? Like so that you you can figure out all the supporting stuff by uh, on the data side of things. And then it actually helps you increase the visibility of your show because afterwards, when you publish it and you have those things incorporated in your show description, then more people are going to find them when they're searching online. Yeah, absolutely. And then also, um, we talked about this previously about being able to figure out what it is your audience wants. And mm -hmm. the easiest way to do that is to ask them, right? But yep. we all try to make it so difficult. So when when you have guests that are coming on that you're really excited to share, um, asking your audience, wherever you house that audience, whether it's a Facebook group, whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, wherever it is, hey, I'm really excited. In 10 days, I get to interview Les Brown. What do you want to know from him? And then yeah. incorporating those questions into your interview. And then depending on how much um, help you have, right? Like if you have somebody that is helping you live stream a show, you can ask questions while um, you're interviewing. If you're doing it on your own, it's really difficult to pay attention to your guest, pay attention to get to comments and still be engaged. I tried that for a while. It failed miserably. <laughs> so now like I'll live stream some of the big interviews to my Facebook community and say, Hey, we're going to be doing this in 24 hours. If you want me to incorporate your question, mm -hmm. I need it before the interview. If not, I will definitely try, but there's no guarantees because my focus is the guest. Yeah. And so depending on, on how much help you have that dictates what you can do as well but ask ask your audience what do you want to know what's important to you yeah what can, and, I, and what can I get out of this again in the in the effort of increasing visibility of your content you know what what I did on a show of mine a couple of years ago we would live stream them into a pri into the private community before they were published um, publicly and I would actually set up so it was a private Facebook group and I would set up you know the following week was the was the show set up a Facebook event send that out to the email list and say, if you're, if you want, you know, if you want to tune in live, click here to RSVP. Or if you want to ask, if you want me to ask a question, like you just said, you know, uh, leave a comment on the event and then I'll try and incorporate it. And if you can be there live, I'll try it, et cetera, similar to what you just said. But now you're kind of, you're including it in the pre-promotion. And then if you have people chiming in on the event post, 
more people are going to see that event post, more people are going to know that it's coming up, more people will tune in live or at least know about it to then watch, you know, watch it once it's published. So using that yeah. audience engagement ahead of time can actually help increase the visibility as well. Yeah. And this is where podcasting also helps in other areas of your, your business, right? Because especially right now, um, who who listening to this has received less than five Facebook group invites today, right? <laughs> it's noon. So right now we're in a place where everybody is mass inviting to their content. Mm -hmm. And the first question that should go through your mind is what value am I going to get out of this? And what you just said is, and most people, when they think what value am I going to give my, my people, it's like, drawings and, and money related things mm. that, or, or products that mm. cost things, right? right. That you're giving away for free. But what if you could give them the value of having first access to an interview? Yeah. Like that's a, another way that you then get people to engage in not only your content, but now you have them in their Facebook group where you have them as an active listener on a more regular basis. So all of this, if you're, if you're disorganized, you're thinking, how the hell do I do all of this? And you get organized is the answer. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And if you go over to uh, onairbrands.com slash show, that's our show hub page. You can enter your email address there and, and we send out resources on help for all this kind of stuff that we're talking about here. You know, I think another thing too, that, and this is that kind of teases back to last episode with building rapport and engagement with your audience is that when you do get them involved ahead of time with questions to ask your guests, like they're going to feel more in, they're going to feel, feel more rapport with you as a show host with the content. And they're going to be more likely to listen and to share your episodes when they feel that little bit of involvement in helping you prep with the guest that was coming up. Yeah, absolutely. The, that feeling of importance, that feeling that some, that you care about the people that you're talking to, that it's not just this one-sided relationship mm -hmm. is extremely important in everything that you do. And I think that goes a long way with the guest rapport as well. When the guest can tell that you're on a mission, that your, your show is there to provide value for an audience. You know, a, a show that I keep referencing is, uh, you know, a friend of mine has a show called Get a Good Start, Scott Agnoli, great podcast. And it's 15 minute interviews with successful executives. And the show mission is to... Um, add value for people who are, you know, getting into college or getting into their, for the, into early in their career, you know, how would, how did you get a good start in your career? What, what did, you know, what was your life like when you were 20? What would you go back and do? Blah, blah, blah. What do you think for kids today? And so the guests can feel that Scott wants to, he's just here bringing value to this audience of people. And it's, uh, you know, helping out younger people, a lot of successful executives like to give back and all that kind of thing. And so when they can sense that you're on a mission, I think the guest gets more engaged and involved too, when it comes to like, oh, I'm going to, I really want to show up and add value for this audience because this show is on a mission to make a difference in the world. Yeah, 100%. And also, you know, we may get into this, this episode, it may be something that we talk about later on, but the post-production part, right? Mm -hmm. Of actually promoting your episode. How many times do we hear people say, how do you get your guests to promote a show? And mm -hmm. my first question for them is, well, what did you do to promote it? What right. did you do? <laughs> to show your guests that this was something that was important, you know, yeah. and there are some guests that, that may not, and please for 
God's sake, please do not make promoting your show a requirement to come on it. I have seen that before <laughs> and it's awful. But um, your guests are more likely to put in work if you also put in work. So yeah. I, you know, we, we can go into that at, at another time, but just know yeah. that the amount of work you put into all episodes uh, or all parts of your episode are going to feed into the guest experience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I posted on Facebook yesterday about, um, expectations and perception of things that are difficult. So like you just said, like this uh, sounds like a ton of work. Sounds like it's all very hard and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, e compared to doing nothing. Yes. Yes. Compared to what it would have taken to have your own podcast or video show and media production company five years ago, this is nothing. Right. So it's like, if you had to go through what we went through five years ago to do these kind of things, you would be thanking the universe every second of every day right now for how easy it is to flip on StreamYard and go live and broadcast and upload to Anchor and have your podcast broadcast to the entire world with a few clicks of a button. Yes, it's harder than zero, but it is a million times easier than it used to be and essentially used to be impossible for the average business owner to be able to create a show without spending tens of thousands of dollars. So, you know, the perception and expectations of things are are huge in in making them feel more effortless, like you said before. So yeah, there's on, on that point really quickly there, my mm -hmm. favorite Ted talk. Well, one of them, one of my favorite Ted talks is actually Rory Vaden's procrastinate on purpose Ted talk. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't heard this Ted talk, it's amazing. You should go check it out. One of the things he talks about though, is that the idea of productivity, which is exactly what we're talking about in this organization thing is giving yourself the emotional permission to do things today that are going to save you time tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And it's that emotional permission because the people who are saying, you know, this sounds like a lot of work. Why the reason they're saying that is because they have so much on their to-do list that they feel like they should be doing. Yeah. Right. And so it's giving yourself that permission to do this, to set this up so that four or five episodes down the road, later you can say thanks for, for doing this. Yeah. I think it's, I don't know if it's in the book Atomic Habits or not, but James Clear, I'm pretty sure it's in the book, but I've seen him say it where, you know, he's this guy, he has great productivity systems and all that kind of stuff and, and great advice to check his stuff out. And they say, man, this sounds like a bunch of work. And he says, actually, I'm just, I'm proactively lazy where I want to do this work one time and set up these systems to basically automate as much of the lifting as possible so that now after I do it once or twice and have it set up, now I'm done doing it forever. And it's like, he's he's like, I'm, I'm giving myself permission to be lazy because I'm doing the, the work one or two times to set up a system. And I think that's that's definitely key. Um, yeah. So you met, we mentioned early, you know, you've had some great people on Les Jordan on your show. These are big personalities and even people who are not necessarily celebrities can show up and be big personalities. So when you have a guest like that, they can very quickly go off the rails with their topics or try and take control of the show and have their own agenda, even if it's un, uh, unintentionally. Right. So how do you kind of control the conversations to make sure that you stay on track, that the audience is getting the value that they tune into your show for? And, and that the guest is still on track to have a good time. So I have a couple of different avenues for this. The first thing that I would say is set aside your ego, right? If you're trying to control a conversation just for the purposes of controlling a conversation, you're not doing it right. Like maybe that 20 minute answer they just gave you is incredibly relevant to everything that your audience needs to hear. And so really understanding the situation and do you need to interject? Because when you bring on somebody who is normally a host, they're not 
talking about themselves. And then you give them an opportunity to talk about themselves and they're going to run with it. Um, one of the things that, that Jordan said in our interview was come listen to my show where I don't talk nearly this much. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he's like acknowledging, Hey, I'm talking about this because this is the purpose of guesting. Right. So I think that this goes down to setting the expectations in advance. You know, if you, I have a success sound bites part of my podcast. So I know that I need to get two or three, um, what, 75 second spots that I can then put somewhere else. So I'm intentionally asking questions that I want a quick answer to. Make sure your questions are answerable in a short period of time, if that's the case. Yeah. Um, understanding that this is your show and you dictate, regardless of the level of guest, you dictate what the final product is. And if you're not happy with the final product of a show, it is your fault as the host. There's, mm -hmm. there's no other way around that. Yeah. Um, what could I have done better as a host to control the situation? It is never the guest's fault that your show didn't turn out the way you wanted it to be. It's always yeah. yours. Yeah. So knowing it's your show, being willing to jump in, having the courage and self-confidence to say, hey, I really appreciate this. This is incredibly valuable stuff. And I know that my audience really wants to know this. So let's redirect. Um, and being able to do that. And I think that the, the guests that you're afraid of doing that with that you think are big name guests will respect you for that because they don't want to waste their time talking about stuff that's not relevant. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, we, we touched on earlier modeling success and you just mentioned, you know, Jordan came on your show and he talked a lot, but that's because the purpose of his talking a lot there, he was the guest on your show. And, you know, we are both big fans of modeling success. See who's, who's, you know, been where you want to go and, and try to follow their model. But, there can be some downsides to that. So if we are looking to be great interviewers and podcast hosts, and we look at someone's show who might not have the same format or mission or, or purpose as ours, and we try to model them and jam it, it becomes like a square peg in a round hole, right? So what are some things we need to watch out for when we are, are researching to model for success? Yes. So first of all, modeling for success is obviously incredibly important in making sure that you're not reinventing the wheel, right? Yeah. So many times we get stuck on this, but it's my show. I need to do it from the ground up. And you have yeah. all of these people who have shown you the ways to do things. You just have to take that content and internalize it. So um, I think there's two traps that people fall into the most when we're talking about modeling success. The first one is your perception is what you see on a regular basis. So mm -hmm. making sure that your perception with your limiting beliefs and your obstacles that you need to overcome are not um, clouding your judgment of what the other person is actually doing, right? Mm -hmm. Making sure that you're breaking down their actions in a way that is um, accurate for the results that they want to achieve and making sure that they're actually getting the results that you want to achieve. If they're not getting the results you want to achieve, why are you modeling their you know, success? So yeah. breaking down what exactly about this person do I like? Why do I like it? And what do they do that creates that result? Yeah. So I think and that's to, the first thing. Yeah. And to know the context of their show and their personality with the guests. So like Joe Rogan 
or Lewis Howes or Larry King or Gary Vaynerchuk. Like these guys are huge names. They're well-established. Their guests already know them 99.9% of the time. Even if they haven't listened to the episode specifically, they know the personality and, and they have, you know, their reputations precede them in order in, in the ability to ask harder hitting questions sooner. And then maybe not out of the gate, but definitely sooner. And there's a different context around the brand, right? It's like, uh, it's similar to, you know, when we're doing marketing stuff and a client comes and they say, we, you know, we want to, we want to do what Apple does. And it's like, okay, great. Come to me in 50 years after you spent like a hundred billion dollars on advertising, and then we can do what Apple's doing today. And yeah. you, you know, you said something in, in our pre-show planning about this, that, that I really liked about, you know, don't look at the success, the successful person you're modeling and what they're doing today. Look at where they were when what they were doing when they were at where you're at now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's incredibly important, you know, and I think that the example that I used in the the pre-show was Tony Robbins, right? If I try to model Tony Robbins right now, I'm going to fail miserably. It's not going to be pretty. But if I look at where somebody like that was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. when they first started and what did they do, then it's a little bit more achievable. Also understanding that like you have to go one step at a time, right? You cannot go from where you are to where somebody else is. And and modeling, there's, there's this trap where you start comparing yourself to somebody else. And so avoiding that comparison trap and understanding that you bring into it your unique style, you're not necessarily looking at doing it exactly the same way that they do. You're looking at what actions did they take to create the success? And then how do I use those same actions within myself. And you, you mentioned Joe Rogan and it brought this up in my mind that I wanted to mention, make sure. And I think this is a big thing that's missed. Make sure you are willing to pay the price that that person paid mm-hmm. in order to get to where they are. Because Will you force people to eat bugs for nine seasons yes. on NBC before you start a podcast? <laughs> and and the consequences, right? Like Joe Rogan can't care what people think about him. Yeah. If he's going to bring people on his show and have the conversations that he has, he has to be willing to acknowledge that some people will not resonate with his message. And every podcaster out there should be the same. If you cannot find a person who thinks that your message is complete and utter crap, then you are not talking loud enough and you're not talking to the right people. You are spending too much time trying to be everything to everyone. So when you're going down this road, are you willing to pay the price that's going to come from the decisions that you're making? Do What problems do you want to have? Do you want to have the problems that nobody listens to you? Or do you want to have the problems that some people listen to you and they just don't like what you have to say? Yeah. Yeah. And so We've got our guest on. We've had them prepped. We set some context. We built rapport during the interview. We asked questions in the right order. We're taking we're taking some techniques from people we've researched and like, and we've implemented them into our own interview style. We crushed this interview. It's a great episode. The listeners love it. The guests had a great time. They got to promote whatever they were promoting, and it was in line with your mission. And now the episode's over, and we come to the post-show work. Now, we always say that the magic and power of podcasting happens after the mics are off. So talk to me. You you mentioned, you know, a great post uh, show tip that I love. And, and I'm definitely going to start incorporating and telling more people to do. So wh- what what is that? Po- what do you do post show to continue the rapport with your guests? So 24 hours after my 
interview is over, um, an email goes out to them saying, Hey, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciated your time. I know that the guests or the audience are going to get a huge amount of value out of this. Um, if you wouldn't mind, here's the, the Apple tunes or, or whatever you use to, um, the show, if you would leave a rating and review while you're there, take a look at all the episodes that are there at the guests that I have. If there's anybody that you want to connect with, let me know and I'll make an introduction. I love that so much because again, it's the win-win. It's an effortless thing for you. It's obviously anybody on your show, you have you have their contact info. You have a little bit of a relationship at least with them. So making introductions is super easy. It continues to add value and build on the relationship of the people that you had as a guest on your show. And you know, if you're using guest opportunities like this to for business development, which we talked about in season two on a couple episodes. So go back on airbrands.com slash show to check those out. But if you're if you're using your show to build relationships, again, it's not just getting someone on the show and then trying to sell to them, just like you don't want to do that in anything. And this is a way to continue that conversation in a non-salesy way where you're at you're continuing to add value, put equity in this relationship bank before you start asking for anything from them where, you know, you've gotten them on your platform, they've shared their message, you know, you're helping promote them when you're, you know, promoting your show out there. Um, and now you're even making individual introductions if there's any way you can. So I think this is yeah. a great way to continue that. Yeah, I, I, I definitely enjoy it. And I, it's worked out well for me since I, since I put it into play, but really quickly, I want to hit just a minute on introduction etiquette because mm. you don't want to, offer something that you can't deliver on. So my, my email actually says, I'll do my best to make that happen. And then when they respond to me and say, Hey, this interview looks good. This interview looks good. The first thing I do is reach out to those guests. Hey, I have this guest. They did this. They said this. I think it would be a great connection for you. Is it somebody you're interested in meeting? And then the purpose of that and get that yes from both parties yeah. so that you're not putting somebody in a position where they have to reject a referral because what's going to end up happening is everybody's going to have a bad taste in their mouth. They're going to be like, why is Amber sending me introductions that aren't useful for me? Why does she not know I stopped doing my podcast six months ago? Right. right? <laughs> why? And, and then you've got your guests. It's like, why would she have offered this if she couldn't right. deliver on it? So just make sure that everybody is on board. And if the answer, I had it recently where I made an introduction and the person said, Hey, I'm actually not taking any more interviews. Mm. I'm going in a different direction. And then communicate that to the other person. Mm -hmm. Hey, I just want to let you know, I did try to make this introduction. It's not a good fit for them at this point in time. Is there anybody else that I can help connect you to to make sure it's a win-win? Yeah, I love that. I love that. And guys, if you're listening today, I mean, Amber dropped so much value here. Please make sure you go and check out her other show at morethancorporate.com because she does this with us every Wednesday on Facebook when we're streaming live on the On Air Brand Show. And she does it multiple times a week on her show, More Than Corporate. Super awesome. And if you've made it this far in the episode, I have to imagine that you've gotten a lot of value. So if you know any other show hosts, podcast hosts, or people who would get value from the stuff we talked about today, please share this episode with them and make sure you're subscribed to the On Air Brands show at onairbrands.com slash show and leave a rating and review if you like what you heard today. And if you made it this far, I have to believe that you did. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will catch you on the next episode. Tune in to the honor.